Good day, this is Mark Pesci, and welcome to episode 11 of series 7 of This Week in Startups Australia and New Zealand. Scaling is the hardest task facing a startup entrepreneur. Harder than getting started, harder than getting to an MVP, harder than getting investment. Scaling is hard. But there are any number of startups who have scaled successfully, including a few that have already been on Twista, such as Canva, Envato, Catapult, and Airtasker. What can we learn from their successes in scaling? That's our theme for Series 7. In this episode, we speak with three winners from Launch Sydney, two from 2018 and one from this year, about what it takes to launch these great startups. Each has a unique perspective on scale and how they plan to grow into great businesses. Winners are grinners on this episode of This Week in Startups Australia and New Zealand. This Week in Startups Australia is sponsored by DocCo, the domain name for innovators, entrepreneurs, startups, and creators growing extraordinary ideas online. Your brand wasn't built to blend in, so don't let it. Get a .co domain that's as unique and memorable as your one-of-a-kind idea. Find your .co today at go.co slash twista and take advantage of freebies, tools, and resources to get your idea off the ground. That's www.go.co slash twista. This Week in Startups Australia is also sponsored by Pitney Bowes. Are you a small business looking to streamline costs on shipping and postage? Simplify and save with SendPro Plus from Pitney Bowes and receive a $200 credit toward your parcel shipping costs. Terms and conditions apply. Visit them online at pitneybowes.com au slash twista. And This Week in Startups Australia is sponsored by the University of Technology Sydney, driving the next generation of entrepreneurs. UTS is equipping a new breed of startup founders by inspiring students to launch their own venture and build the foundation for a successful career. To find out more about entrepreneurship at UTS and the UTS Startups Program, go to startups.uts.edu.au. Chris O'Halloran of Takeoffs.io. Chris won, or was one of the three winners, of the Startup Fishing Competition at launch in 2018. Chris, welcome to This Week in Startups Australia. Thanks, Mark. Good to be here. So what does Takeoffs do? So what we do is we take building plans right. and we basically run it through our software, which is a mix of people-powered artificial intelligence, and we work out how much materials are in the job. So things like brick, concrete, paint... We work out how much that should cost and where they can buy it. So we do what a builder would do themselves in two to four weeks. I was going to say, because that's a huge task. You really oh, have to massive. take the building, you have to break it down, you yep. have to go, here's how much brick it's going to take to build that yep. wall or those walls, right? Yep. And and again, that's also got an enormous capacity in it for errors, I would think. Huge, huge errors. So builders either do this themselves on nights and weekends or they guess it. Um, <laughs> not many would actually go through and do an item by item 300 point list of what right. everything they need. Right. So, and that's largely because they don't have the time. 
um, or they don't have the qualified people to do it. So what they take two to four weeks to do, we can turn around in 72 hours and our goal is to be able to do that in real time. And doing it in 72 hours also, I mean, you're also doing it more accurately, mm -hmm. but you've taken the labor cost, which has got to be incredible yep. because you really need someone who with a very broad set of estimation skills and all Correct. that other stuff to be able to yep. do it. And you've got this in a piece of yep. software now. Yep. Okay, so that sounds like it's a tool. Is it a tool that an average trader would be using? Are you talking about someone who's running a site or running an entire building? Yeah, so at the moment we really serve small to medium-sized builders. Mm -hmm. So they might do 10, 20, 30 homes a year or they're a specialist trade contractor, subcontractor like a painting company, uh, and they might do a little bit more work but more maybe in the commercial space. Um, they're usually at the point where they're either trying to work out, do I need hire an internal estimator or do I look at software and tools to you know, take that, t that pain point away from me. Right. So it really is, so you're taking a business that has always done this, and I mean, and, and construction is one of those businesses yeah. that runs, there's a lot of spreadsheets, but it also runs a lot just on paper. Correct, yeah. And you're saying, okay, actually, here's this essentially magical new tool. So do you get a lot of resistance? Do they actually, do you have to convince them that it works? Or do, um, because Sometimes. So the, the old way of doing it is you print the plans out, and I've got customers that walk down to the print shop, print the plans, get their scale ruler and highlighter and they start printing this stuff off um, to people that are using online tools that require them to trace online and those type of things. Um, it's a question of, I've got a pain point here. If you're solving it, I'm going to at least check it out. And if it works, I'm in. You know, so it's, it's they want to believe. Right. So they don't take a lot of convincing. Um, and, yeah, it's, it's working out well for them. Okay, so, so I think I'm clear on how you make a sale. Yep. Is that happening through a sort of, is that a person-to-person, -person, a face-to-face -face sales channel, or is that happening through a digital channel? Yeah, pretty much. Um, we do Facebook ads. Instagram ads is where most of our sales channel comes through. So the builders are on Facebook and yeah, Instagram? Surprisingly, yeah, surprisingly, okay. yeah. And, um, and it's, it's largely awareness campaigns. So mm -hmm. we show them what the tool can do. Mm -hmm. uh, it is a pain point, and so they usually will jump on the website, check it out. There we've got a, a Drift chatbot, which hooks them into a call with me right. um, if they want to, or they can just sign up and pay online. So we pay per project. It's There's no big commitment. They can try it out for once, and, and if they don't like it, not for them. And so when you're on. talking about a project, does that mean sort of a 30 days, or is it a certain number of drawings, or how, how does that work? Per plan, so yeah, per house. Right. Um, so we charge a fixed flat fee per house. But and some houses would be significantly yeah, more they complicated are. than others, so how does that work? Yeah, I mean, for us, it's swings and roundabouts. You know, we make some on good money on some, we lose a little bit on, on others, but okay. we're a volume play, so we're doing 30, 40 of these a month, mm -hmm. and for us to spend an hour looking at a job, quoting it, and getting back to a customer versus charging a flat fee. Yes, we could maybe make another $100 out of a sale, right. but we could lose it. So for us, speed speed and converting that customer quicker is why we do the fixed pricing model. How much does that scale? In other words, you know, if you had 10 times the volume you mm. were today, would you need 10 times mm. the employees mm. or...? Yeah, and on, on the current model, because we're human-powered yeah. AI, but that's why we're investing so much in the AI and computer vision technology that, that allows us to scale without people. Uh, so at the moment, we do hold back how much new customers we bring on. Right. Um, and we've also just released uh, a tool where they can do it themselves if it's a smaller workload. So they can measure online themselves if they just want to do a basic area. And at any point, they can upgrade and get us to take over. But the, the longer vision over the next couple of years is to have it all powered by computer CPUs, computer vision and AI.
right. And you're based in Australia, but I think you told me that you're actually going to be moving to America. What yeah. precipitated that? Yeah, so we, we started in Australia here, um, founded on the, on the Gold Coast. Uh, after launch last year, we were required to have a U.S. entity. Mm-hmm. So we flipped up the Australian company onto the U.S. Delaware Corp. Right. And um, and looking at the size of the market, you know, it's California is as big as the Australian construction market. So it's so much larger for us in terms of just the sheer size. Mm-hmm. Um, Do you have to – I mean, are the building materials different enough between California and Australia that you kind of had to do things differently? Yeah, I mean – we both build lightweight construction, fairly similar in terms of the style. Terminology changes, like we use drip rock, they, they use drywall. Right. Um, you know, there's more basements in America. They're yes. obviously imperial versus metric. So we've had to... Unfortunately, Yeah, unfortunately. Yes. And Canada's a mix of both. Yeah. You know, so we've had to design our tool to be have that kind of flexibility built into it because uh, we did want to serve both markets from day one. Um, and, you know, it's, it's about being... Ultimately... The market we're selling to is still relationship-based. They still want to be able to f- have a phone call. They still mm-hmm. want to speak to someone, make sure mm-hmm. it's real. And so being close to that market yeah. is important. Well, this is the thing, I think, the building, because building has always been quite human, right? Mm. There's always a lot of people involved in building yep. anything. Yep. That although automation is great, you're right, there's going to be that real need to have a human connection. Someone yeah. I can call when things break, someone I can shout at, whatever yep. it might be. Yeah, so we're going to have a you know sales team on the ground, right. and we'll do, you know, we'll, we'll bring Australian sausage rolls to the site, and we're going to you know <laughs> put sausage rolls on and uh, and try and you know use a bit of the old Australian humour to to get some sales going. Okay, let's uh, flip back a year. So you were here a year ago yep. at launch. Um, what did it mean for you to be one of the three companies that was selected? Yeah, I mean. But, it meant yeah, everything, a lot. Um, I, I came down wanting to win. Um, I, I cold emailed Jason four months prior, five mm-hmm. months prior, um, and knew, knew you know, I hustled my way in there, basically, and he didn't respond to my emails, um, and so I upgraded to a VIP ticket um, and, and kept on emailing him and you know, just driving that wedge further and further in, yep. and he eventually responded and said, you should apply to pitch. I pitched, and... Um, managed to get up there so you know for, for me it was we're building a venture scale business it's a te- not technically challenging product to build yes um so we wanted access. you're breaking a new ground you're we not are. just doing the same thing so, again uh, it's not like we're plugging into an api yeah. we're building no you're building the we're API. building the api right so it's how do i get closer to the best talent how do i get closer to the biggest market right. the smartest investors and you know my background has been hire the best people to do the best job around me and for me, that was San Francisco-based from a tech point of view, an investment point of view, and U.S. from a market point of view. So what did you learn in the accelerator? Uh, everything. Um, everything from understanding how the VC game works, mm-hmm. how to think about structuring your round, mm-hmm. how to articulate your pitch mm-hmm. um, clearly and concisely, how to answer a question clearly and concisely, and really understand how a VC thinks in terms of funding a company. Exactly, how they want to see their return. Yeah, and, and, yeah. and also how much has to align, all those planets have to align to be a right fit between you and the VC firm. And, that, and that, that's the reason why you shouldn't take a no personally, right? Correct. It's, that, it's, that it's, it's, it's about me, it's not about you. <laughs> and and it, can be, it can be, I love the idea, I just, I'd rather pay more later. Yeah, yeah. And that's a, 
hard thing to work out, you know. Well, if, if you're on the receiving end of the no, it is. It's, it feels hard, oh, but it's, gut it's not meant hard. It's gut wrenching. Why, why, why? Yeah. You know, and, you, and, and the, the fact is, you know, I looked at the numbers. I did 100 pitches. I got 80, 90 no's, yeah. you know, 50 hard Easy. no's, yeah. and then a bunch of soft A passes. And, and it could be, hey, we love you as a founder. We love the business. We love the market. We believe in it. It's just not the right time for us. We don't have dry powder. You know, we're still raising the next fund. Come back. Or we, we'd, we want to invest, but we want to give you more money. So now how much investment have you taken? Uh, we're about to close on $3 million US. Okay, so a series, good Series A round. In, in Australian terms, yes. Yeah. In the US, probably C, C pre C. Yeah, yeah. yeah, now I know. I know. Yeah. It depends on sort of which market you're talking yeah. in. How long did it take you to actually raise that? Yeah. Uh, well, from launch to today is 12 months on the dot. Yep. Um, from officially starting the launch process and fundraising full time, six months. Okay. Which is not, but I mean, uh, six months to raise $3 million is completely normal. Completely normal. I thought it'd be half that. Yeah, everyone you know, always typical, does. Typical naive <laughs> yeah, Aussie yeah. founder. Yeah. Well, I know all founders. All founders Probably. always think that the money's mm. just going to be thrown at yeah. them and it, it never gets. I thought my business was different. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> all right. If you could give one bit of advice to the people who listening to this podcast, because our theme this yep. year is about scale. What have mm. you learned about how to scale your business that you'd want to share? Um, from a US perspective, um, if you need more money to scale quicker, take more money to scale it. The, the, the money's not going to be the bottleneck to scaling. And, um, and that's how we really had to think about our raises. What do we want to do with the money? Where do we need to get to in 18, 24 months' time? What's the milestone we need to hit? And then how much money do we need to create that? Um, and once you remove that barrier, it changed our fundraising process. Um, so from a fundraising perspective, it's throw out what you think in terms of valuation, where the money should be, and focus on what you need to do with the money to get to the next point in the business. Um, from scaling our business, um, you know, it's about – from a sales perspective, um, we're going deep into two markets. So we're going to focus on Colorado and Texas and go really deep into those those markets deeply rather than go broadly across the US. And then we use our next round to go horizontally across the US. So it's kind of yeah, corner that market and go deep. Chris, thank you so much for joining us in This Week in Startups Australia and congratulations. Thanks, Mark. A strong online presence is non-negotiable in today's market. Whether it's your primary location for sales and trade, or you just want to have some key information online so people can discover your business, your website is the core of your online brand. When it comes to choosing a domain name for your website, there are now countless options of domain extensions to choose from. But if you're looking for a domain that is short, SEO-friendly, global, and truly supports your business, go with .co. .co is the domain name for innovators, entrepreneurs, startups, and creators growing their extraordinary ideas online. With more names available than any other legacy namespace, .co is for everyone who is hustling hard and building something awesome. With freebies, resources, and tools for startups available even to those without a .co domain, check out www.go.co slash twisted today and find the perfect .co domain for your big idea. .co where big ideas belong on the web.
And we're talking to Jess Kantz from Etsy, who also won at launch in 2018 and went into the accelerator. Jess, welcome to This Week in Startups Australia. Thank you. All right, so tell us about Etsy. So our goal is to help people discover food visually. So we do that through two main platforms. We have an app where you can put in discovery settings around distance, price and dietary requirements. And you're filtered with photos of dishes, all personalised to you. They're all dishes nearby. And we also pull those photos of each dish into a visual menu. So when you're at the restaurant, you scan a QR code and it takes you directly to a visual menu on your mobile and you can see a photo of every dish before you order. So it's very visual. We want people to eat with their eyes and that's what we're all about. Okay, so that's my point of view as a consumer, but if I'm a restaurant, what is this doing for me? Yes, great question. So we are we are um, a content marketing channel for restaurants. So we connect them, connect them with a professional photographer once a month to shoot their entire menu. We feed their social channels and we also provide them with analytics based on how their business is performing on our platform. And uh, our goal is to help restaurants look better online. So if I'm running a restaurant, then I don't have to worry about my Instagram or my Facebook because you're going to take care of that for me. So we don't manage the social media, but we will supply you with all of the beautiful photos so you can post them. And um, we make it super easy to you know, create the content so you can market yourself better online. But... We want to put the marketing back in the hands of restaurant owners, not to manage it for them, but we want them to become self-empowered to be able to market themselves better. Now, is there any, is this for like a super big restaurant will probably have its own team, super small restaurant, would they care? I mean, is there a sweet spot for this about how big the restaurant is? Our sweet is? spot is the medi- medium-sized um, restaurant that, you know, multi-location is great as well because usually they have someone that works in marketing. Um, but, you know, small businesses still use this as well. It's, as, it's $200 a month to subscribe to the platform. So even for a low budget, um, we still have restaurants that can utilize the platform. But we do find that um, more of the, I would say, middle tier restaurants, um, not fine dining, but not takeaway, those are the ones that are really ideal for the platform. Okay. So have you, you know, you've launched in Australia, right? Yes, yes. So how many clients do you have in Australia now? So we launched in Newcastle, actually. Uh, there's about 300 restaurants in Newcastle. And we managed to sign 100 of them up when we first launched. Wow. Um, and uh, over 19,000 people downloaded the app in Newcastle as well. And that's what actually gave me the confidence to apply for launch with that kind of traction. So we went very quickly from Newcastle to San Francisco, <laughs> <laughs> which was crazy. Yeah. Okay, all right, so... You get into the pitching competition. You yes. wow them at the pitching competition. Yes. You know, you're one of the three startups that get an offer out of launch. Yes. What was it like when you were getting ready to pitch? I mean, pitching, I, I find, is always one of the hardest things in the world to do. It is. Um, I had had a three times before that where I'd pitched to Jason DeMann. Um, I also was invited to pitch at Angel University which was wonderful. I felt like I nailed that pitch actually more than I did the one on stage. Um, It is nerve wracking. You get up there, you pitch your heart out. And um, honestly, my pitch on stage was, I would say subpar. My video didn't even play. So I stood up there looking like a goose because nobody could see what my product actually looked like. And I had to describe it because the video didn't play. But you know, they'd already seen me pitch and they already believed in the product and obviously me as a founder as well. Um, So I still was Grateful, grateful to be one of the ones that ended up winning because when I got off the stage, I was like, well, shit, that was, that was a disaster, wasn't it? <laughs> <laughs> okay. You're now in the middle of the program. You know, we've talked to Chris Halloran. He's been through the yes. program. 
what is the program like? I mean, you're being sucked into an accelerator. You're in a different country. Yeah. What, what, is, what, is, it, what is it like? Yeah, I would say um, for someone that's flying across the world to be in it, um, it's been really surreal, not only because it feels like a whole other world when it comes to being in San Francisco, but also um, just how fast-paced it is. And it, it just feels like people are really ready for business over there. Mm. And they're, you know... Um, I feel like I've blinked and it's already week five and we've got seven weeks to go and I know I'll go back and I'll blink again and it'll be done. But it is a full-time job fundraising and that's one thing I think not many people appreciate it until they're midway through the program and they think, man, I should have started fundraising sooner. But that's really what Launch is about is to help you fundraise. So... And, and it's interesting because Chris was saying, you know, he just closed his $3 million round, but it took him six months yeah. and he thought he was going to do it in three. Yeah. Um, right, so you're raising, how much are you raising So now? we want to do a $1 million seed round. Right. Opened our round about three weeks ago and happy to say that after a few really successful meetings in Sydney being back, we've just closed 300K of that. Congratulations. Money's not in the bank yet. No. But no. it's looking good. But you're, but you're making your way there. Yes. And... Has what, what you're learning at the accelerator is helping you directly in terms of your raise? Absolutely. So when we first, um, before the accelerator kicked off, we did a full day on fundraising. And that was really, really valuable. Demand spoke to us for hours about everything we need to know about fundraising. Yeah. And I think what has been the most valuable is what they incorporated recently, which is called the pipeline review. So every single week we one-on-one um, -on -one talk to Demand about um, our phases that we're going through with each investor. So we've got our pipeline and we talk about if we've gotten to the second phase, right, third right. phase, term sheet, diligence, pass, whatever, whatever phase it is. Um, and he just guides us through each one of those phases and gives us advice and it has been honestly invaluable. Well, because what you're doing is you're learning how to nurse the investor relationship, Absolutely, right? yeah. So when you're talking to, about these investors, are these people that you knew before this process but you're just sort of bringing them into a tighter loop or are these sort of almost cold? They are cold because uh, um, I, I have a mixture between investors that I've met through launch that we've pitched to. They get added to my pipeline but also a lot of people that I've just found through Crunchbase or um, AngelList that I feel like might be in, um, you know, interested in investing in a company like Etsy. And then I add them to a list of people that I want to get intros to from demand and they get, you know, added to my pipeline, but a lot of them are cold. Okay. But, you know, they always say the best kind of intro is from an investor that's already invested in your company or a founder that has had that investor invest in them. Yeah. So it makes those intros a lot easier when that happens. Okay, all right. So you'll be coming back to Australia. You'll be growing the business from Newcastle, presumably across the country. Yeah, look, um, I've actually had a complete change of perspective since being in the US, and I don't think I'm going to come home. Okay, so <laughs> Chris is going off to Boulder. Yeah. And so... And so I mean, is this a, a subtle plan for Jason to steal all of our best entrepreneurs? It looks like it. Look, I, I have um, a great Australian team that are going to continue to grow the platform over here. Um, and I think I'll be spending a lot of time in both areas. I'll be going back and forth from the US to Australia. But I am really excited about the next challenge for me. And I feel like the US is that. Right. Um, I, I 
always feel like there's more room to grow and being in that environment, I've just had my eyes open to how big the world is and how much I want to conquer now in the US and I've, I've caught the American bug. San Francisco, Bless no, you. though. Yeah, no, I know, I know. San yeah. Francisco's a very a hard one. city to live in now. It's a now. tough one to live in. Um, but, but, I, but that is the thing. And, and we, we do talk. We had Nick Lubinskis on the show, yeah. who was one of the founders of the ecosystem in Sydney, who's now in Silicon Valley. Yeah. And he's really focused on helping Australians see that they need to be global. Absolutely. In order to be the kind of success that they probably want for themselves, that I can hear coming out of you. Yeah. It's been, it's been very interesting being now um, in the world of the US and Australia, because all I could go off, obviously, before was my experiences in business in a um, very small town of Newcastle. And the conversations that I have with the US investors are so different to the conversations I have with Australian investors. Well, um, they're more mature, for one thing. More mature, more ready to make a deal, more serious. Yeah, and more willing to mm. understand that a startup yes. is a risk. Yes. And that that's okay. That's not the bug. That's the feature. Absolutely. They, uh, you know, Jason says when it's when it's the risk is higher, I want it and I like it. And tell me, tell me how this might fail, and let's help it succeed. Okay. So our theme in series seven of the show is scale. If you had one lesson you've learned about scaling your business, what would that be? What would you share with our listeners? Um, I would I would say um, for us, I had a big challenge where I thought to myself, do I want to spread this quickly across lots of cities or do I want to grow deep into one area? And that was something that um, I, I, you know, I talked out with my team a lot and we came to the conclusion that we would rather sign a thousand restaurants up in one major city in the US and one major city in Australia. We'll learn a heckle of a lot about that process before we scale this you know, across 10 cities at once. So we want to go deep in that one market. And I think for us, that is not being scared of scaling you know, to multiple cities, but more being um, conservative about how much we still have to learn in each one of those cities. And I think you know, the goal for us in the next 12 months is just to stand up a thousand restaurants in you know two major cities and then from there i think we would have learned enough to then exponentially scale after jess thank you so much for joining us on this week in startups thank Australia. you so much for having me Are you a small business or small e-tailer looking for better ways to streamline costs and improve efficiency? Introducing SendPro Plus from Pitney Bowes, the complete office sending solution that makes it easy for small businesses and e-tailers to consistently choose the right sending option for each parcel or letter. SendPro Plus provides shipping options and prices, prints labels, and tracks parcels. An integrated accurate scale helps assign the correct parcel label or postage. SendPro Plus makes sending simple with automatic rate updates and a shared address book across available carriers. Pitney Bowes brings shipping, mailing, and tracking capabilities to businesses looking to simplify their shipping and mailing while reducing costs. Simplify and save with SendPro Plus today and receive a $200 credit toward your parcel shipping costs. Terms and conditions apply. To learn more, visit pitneybowes.com au slash twista.
Wine is a wonderful thing, and the winner of Launch Festival 2019 is proof positive of that. Abby Hyde is the co-founder of Winely, who has just won the Launch Festival. Congratulations, Abby. Thank you, Mark. All right, so what is Winely? Winely provides real-time visualization on wine ferments to the winemaker. And how does it provide that real-time visualization? So previously the winemaker, to take a sample, they'd have to physically go to the tank, take the wine, take it back to the lab, run a test, log the data. Winely provides hardware, uh, which automatically goes into the wine tank, series of sensors, feeds it back to the winemaker through our dashboard. So real time information on the ferment. And it, 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 is this useful for a small winery or is this useful for a larger winery? So someone who's grow, uh, producing wine on a larger scale. Sure, so our main market is custom crush facilities or contract winemakers. They make wine on behalf of vineyards and in our opinion, they're the true heroes of the winemaking world. Because so, they're invisible. They're completely invisible. And, you know, they're doing all this great work to ensure that the grape turns into a truly fantastic wine that everyone can enjoy. Okay, so what are you keeping track of that's helping them do the magic of winemaking? Sure. So we set about automating the most common lab-based sampling measurements. Things like pH, residual sugar, temperature. This allows the winemaker to track things like fermentation rate, you know, whether it's a runaway, whether it's Because if it, it'll get hotter if there's a lot of fermentation going on and... You or know, is that oh, not always true? Winemaking is very technical and very scientific. But winemakers have a very good handle on what they're doing and right. what they're looking for with these attributes. So being able to provide it to them in real time just allows them to make decisions on interventions, additions, that kind of thing. Okay. All right. So, and the thing is, is that, you know, if your car has a malfunction, you know about it right away. I mean, there's all of these systems that we have that will tell us when they're breaking in real time, but we haven't had that for wine. So this is, in that sense, a totally new approach to this. We do see, you know, out of like Napa and Sonoma Valley, we've got, I guess what they call fully automated wineries. So smart tanks from the ground up. Every, everything that you could think of measuring is automated. Right. Our approach is, let's look at the infrastructure that the winemaker already has, and let's turn that into something smart. So being able to have an Internet of Things device arrive at your door, hook it in the tank in as little as 10 seconds, and start getting that real-time data feeding back to you. All right, now if I wanted to use this, if I'm a winery and I wanted to use this, is this a product, is this a service? How do you, how do you actually then sell that? Yeah, so we charge a one-off cost for the hardware, and our software is subscription-based. The software will give you all kinds of insights into what's happening in your ferment, in real time. Okay. All right. So you get the one-time install fee, and then every month I pay you some money so that I can have all this lovely data that's presented in all this lovely way that's keeping the data doing all the lovely things. All right. How many customers do you have now? So we've just completed trials with two wineries in Central Otago, and we're, we're onboarding now for the 2020 winemaking season. 
So we're really interested in wineries that would be interested in trying this technology, seeing what they think about it, and working with us to make it amazing for them. Okay. How do you grow this business? I mean, is this a kind of a world that's hard to break into, or is this a real demand? How do you actually reach the market on that? We've found it incredibly easy to talk to winemakers as long as you're approaching them in the right time. Never, ever try and talk to a winemaker during harvest. <laughs> They're busy. That's so flat out. It's honestly ridiculous. It's basically like trying to talk to an entrepreneur while they're fundraising. It's right. never going to happen. Can't do it. I have to take another call. Sorry. Thank you. Get back to you. Exactly. <laughs> All right. So you find the right time to talk to them. And if you can do that, then you're quite, they're quite receptive. They absolutely are. And, you know, that's because before we started Winely, we really dug deep into the true problem of the winemaker. So when we talk to them now, it just resonates. And honestly... The sales calls are really insightful, really amazing. Winemakers are so cool to sit down and talk to. We absolutely love it. And we love the way that they almost sell it back to us. It's just okay. really cool. <laughs> You're a New Zealand-based startup, and New Zealand has produced a whole string of world-class startups. I mean, zero is kind of the case in point, but there's lots of them. You always have to be export-focused as a New Zealand startup because the this might not be as true for wine, but for almost everything else, the only thing you can do is have an export market, right? So are you thinking about export from day one with the business? Sure, so wine is a massive industry in New Zealand, but the thing is with wine, it's seasonal. So for us, just being in New Zealand is never gonna work. We need to be in Southern and Northern Hemisphere at the same time. Otherwise we lose a whole season of testing for our hardware. So that's the main driver for being global from day one, not necessarily the amount of customers or the amount of revenue that can be generated, but just the need to constantly be testing and iterating our hardware. Okay, so for you, export is a strategy that helps you be better, not just a strategy that helps you to grow. That's correct. How has it been being an entrepreneur in New Zealand? Have you felt like you've had access to the resources, the people, the community? Yes, absolutely. So I'm from Dunedin in New Zealand. We have an absolutely thriving ecosystem in New Zealand. Everyone is so willing to help. In Dunedin in particular, you know, we've got some amazing entrepreneurs there. Ryan Baker from Timely, shout out to him. Uh, Jesse Meek, Code Lingo, you're going to see some amazing stuff come out of Code Lingo very soon. Everyone is just so connected, so willing to help, and we're only three, three hours drive away from Central Otago, which is where our customers are, so it's a great place for us to be. And a beautiful place as well. Oh, it's gorgeous. Okay. You now, first off, how does it feel to be a winner? Feels like there's a lot of work ahead. <laughs> Good answer. <laughs> But you're obviously going to get an offer. If the due diligence all checks out, you're going to get an offer to go and go into the accelerator. Is that the kind of thing that you can see yourself? And I'm not asking you to commit here. I'm just sort of saying, you know, in terms of where you see how you need to grow as a business and as an entrepreneur, is an accelerator one of the things that could help you? Look, absolutely. And a San Fran accelerator is kind of the dream for any entrepreneur, right? Like there's such... Particularly one working in wine, I should add. And, you know... 
Particularly one working in a seasonal business where you need to have the Southern Hemisphere and the Northern Hemisphere growing simultaneously. And the fantastic thing about this accelerator is it's in peak winemaking season. So for us to be there on the ground, that's an amazing opportunity. And the funny thing is it will literally be on the ground for you. You may not spend that much time in San Francisco because you might be up in Sonoma and in Napa actually talking to the winemakers. That's the plan. <laughs> All right. In a couple of years' time, how do you see the business? Are you seeing that far ahead? What do you, what's your vision for the business? For sure. And... You know, my co-founder is probably the best person to ask to answer this. He is an absolute true visionist, honestly. I, an entrepreneur's job is to balance vision with day-to-day -day execution. Getting stuff done. For sure. And I'm a day-to-day -day execution person. My founder is big vision. Yeah. It's a nice balance. And yet, <laughs> you sold the vision to everyone at launch today. Abby, congratulations and thank you for joining us in This Week in Startups, Australia and New Zealand. Thank you so much for having us. Developing entrepreneurial skills is at the heart of the student experience at the University of Technology, Sydney. UTS students are creating their own jobs and starting their own companies through the flagship program UTS Startups. Within its first year, the program has launched more than 200 student startups, and they're just getting started. Equipping students with the tools and expertise to become entrepreneurs, then connecting them to industry partners in the startup ecosystem is all part of their innovative approach. UTS is connecting thousands of talented students to industry and works closely with a network of partners to match students and startups through their startup internship program. As a leading university of technology and Australia's number one young university, UTS is investing heavily in this future right now. UTS's inner city campus is also uniquely positioned in Sydney's thriving tech precinct to be the catalyst for digital and creative industries and the startup community. Join them on the journey building Australia's largest community of student entrepreneurs. Go to startups.uts.edu.au to find out more. As someone who's been on both sides, both as a judge for pitching competitions and as someone who is on stage pitching their startup, I can tell you that it is a lot harder to be on the stage. It might be the hardest thing I've ever done as an entrepreneur. And I speak in large rooms all the time. I speak to thousands of people every year. But there is something about taking your baby and presenting it in public when it's still very young, when it's still mostly potential and vision and unrealized, and sharing that with people and doing it so convincingly that they believe you. And when I saw Abby at Winely do that at Launch 20, 
2019. And she finished up and the entire room was silent for a second, just breathing a sigh because she had done such a good job. She had done it so clearly, so succinctly. It's almost as though the judges didn't really have any questions. That's when you know that the entrepreneur believes in the business and understands how to articulate that belief clearly to a room full of people that she doesn't know. And that's why she won. Big thanks to Twista sponsors Pitney Bowes, UTS Startups, and .co. Their support makes our podcast possible. Thanks to the studio at Wynyard Green for providing the amazing facility where we record this week in Startups Australia. It's the place for creative tech. Find out more at thestudio.org.au. Thanks to Chris O'Halloran, Jess Kahns, and Abby Hyde for making the time to come on our show. Last year, we rebuilt and relaunched our website at twistartupsaus.com. It's got everything. It's got all the shows, all the interviews, all the photos, all the links to all the stories. So check it out at twistartupsaus.com. We'll be back in a week with our second news special for 2019, and you can bet there's plenty to talk about. Until then, this is Mark Pesci thanking you for listening to This Week in Startups Australia and New Zealand.